So our home state of Massachusetts had two major primary elections. Joshua, what would you think? Well, Jacob, the Senate races between incumbent Democrat Ed Markey and Joseph Kennedy, the great nephew of JFK. Ed Markey has always been very popular in Massachusetts. He has done a lot in his career as a senator, including helping to create the Green New Deal. What went wrong with Kennedy was that he never gave an answer to the question, why are you running and trying to unseat Ed Markey? In my opinion, Kennedy should have stayed in the House of Representatives. And in terms of the congressional race for the 4th District where I live, I'll be honest, I don't care as much for who represents my district, although I think that Jake Oshenslaus did have a strong lead for a lot of the race. What do you think? So I agree with you that Kennedy should have stayed in the House, but considering that he did decide to run, I honestly would have welcomed him. I would have preferred him. I would have preferred someone who was new. I would have preferred someone who who would have actually gotten something done on climate change instead of committing an exercise in political foolery was, that was the Green New Deal. But besides that, I mean, Markey's fine, but I honestly would have preferred Kennedy. As for the 4th District, it was a close race, and honestly, I would have, I would have been fine with most of the candidates, barring Hassan Alecki, but... I did lean more towards Ben Siegel and Becky Grossman in terms of straight ideology, but I'm just waiting for ranked choice voting. It is the only option now. We cannot have 10-car pileups like this election where the winner wins plurality instead of a majority. Hello, I'm Joshua Graceberg. And I'm Jacob Friedman. And this is Gen Zers Talk Politics. This is where two members of the next generation of American adults talk about what's going on in the world. Since the whole world is on fire, we might as well take a crack at delivering some insightful, definitely non-Twitter commentary and a side helping of comedy. All right, so we got the August jobs report and what it shows about the U.S. economy and recovery. We have the opposition leader in Russia, Alexei Navalny who was poisoned by a similar Novichok nerve agent that also poisoned Sergei Skripal, the spy in the UK, about two years ago. We also have Trump attempting to cut federal funding to Democratic-led cities over the violence and the riots, and how it relates to Aaron Danielson being shot and killed by Antifa member Michael Garanel in Portland, Oregon. And finally, we have the mass surveillance program that was leaked by Edward Snowden in 2013, it was found illegal by a circuit court. Gastra, take away on the economy. So Jacob, like you said, the August jobs report does show good signs for U.S. economy and recovery. But while the jobs report may be positive, it shouldn't be taken as a sign that our nation is actually doing better. About a thousand Americans are dying every day. And when schools and businesses are trying to reopen, they're seeing massive spikes in cases. The good news brought on by this jobs report will simply not last. There will be a second wave. It's coming. It'll likely be here in the winter. And everything will definitely shut down again. More businesses will fail. And un- and consequently, unemployment will definitely increase. I mean, you're right. And top it all off, we have the eviction crisis. The CDC has suspended evictions for, for low-income housing and for people who do not have other reliable options. But... That's not going to help on a mass scale. We need actual federal money dedicated to helping landlords and renters 
stay afloat because if we just do the moratoriums on evictions and we keep delaying the inevitable, the fees are going to pile up and the bills are going to pile up and everyone's everyone's going to lose money. For all the unemployments now sub 10%, the stock market hit new highs on Thursday. I mean, even though it did go down Friday, there is no, it, you're right, this is not going to last. This is a temporary bump in approval that is going to fade into dust. Agreed, but I definitely think that Trump's trying to use the good, the good short-term news to his advantage. As long as the good news lasts until election day, then I think he's all good and satisfied with how the country is doing. Considering that November is prime for food season and everything, and all the other transitions from fall to winter, I honestly don't believe there's going to be much, much to celebrate coming into election season for the economy. There is, there's very little to do. Our next story is that Valley was poisoned by a similar Novichok agent that had poisoned Sergei Skripal back in England. So Jacob, what did, what did you think about that? Well, clearly this is just another day in Russia. Every world leader but the president of the United States has called Russia out on this. But barring that, the U.S. should be giving this guy full diplomatic protection. We should be cooperating with our European allies on what to do with them. We need to fight back against the Russians. They're battling our elections. We should be the shining city on the hill and actually help democracy. Now, I'm not saying we should interfere in elections. That would be counterintuitive. What we should do is support democracy efforts in Russia. We should be... Voice of America is an important tool for spreading democracy, as it was in, in during the Cold War. And given that the Russians are now are using the same type of agent they used on Skripal, we need to bring this to major international attention. Consequences must be made clear for pulling the same stunt twice. But they can do this in England. They can do this to their opposition leader. They're gonna keep going. They're gonna they're gonna escalate this, and we need to do something now. Well, Jacob, going back to your point about bringing democracy to Russia, based on what I know about Russian culture, I, Russia is not exactly a place where democracy would work. If you know what I'm saying, for centuries and centuries and centuries, the Russian people and Russian culture has developed around authoritarianism, going back to the monarchies, the Romanov dynasty the Soviet Union, and even now. And adding more democracy to the Russian system, I just don't think will benefit Russia. Because I just think that Russia has so much, over, over, really throughout most of its history, has been authoritarian nation. And, like, do you remember, I mean, this is a little different. This wasn't exactly bringing democracy. But do you remember Glasnost when Gorbachev tried to reform the Soviet Union and it ended up collapsing? Yes. This kind of, in a way, supports my point because the whole country, really, it was held together by fear and by tight control. And when that was being taken away, it all kind of fell apart. And in a way, I think that's what really holds Russia together. So I just don't think that democracy in Russia would work. So what can we do? What can the United States do? Well, I'm not sure if we can exactly change the political process to be more, to be, to be least authoritarian. But I definitely agree with you that we should be giving this guy full diplomatic protection if he's being hunted down by the Russian government. Sanctions. Yeah, we should be condemning their actions as well. I definitely agree with that. It's going to mean to do something. Well, I think we need a president who would be willing to stand up to Russia. 
Our next story is the new memo from Trump ordering the Office of Management and Budget to look for ways to cut federal funding to Democratic-led cities over the violence in the streets. Joshua, what what are you thinking? You know, Trump always says this over and over again. He claims that Democratic-led cities are poorly managed and they facilitate violence and anarchy. And this only contributes to the fact that Trump's been an extremely divisive president. Rather than approaching all of our problems as national problems, such as systemic racism and police brutality, which are what these protests are really about, he politicizes it to make his party look good and to make the Democrats look bad and irresponsible. And I don't think Trump understands that he is the president of the entire nation and not of just the states that voted for that voted him into office. He has a responsibility for every single American, regardless of whether they support him or not. Well, the thing is that the violence is not part of the protests in the, in the slightest. Is they're largely independent of what is going on. Black Lives Matter. And a lot of the violence is stirred up by by white nationalist trolls, Antifa members looking for a bone to pick, and every other Jacob Wall inspired edge lord. It just like with Kyle Rittenhouse. It, they're mangling these important these issues that need to be talked about into fame machines and get rich quick schemes that serves no greater purpose. But Cuomo was right. This is an illegal stunt, but it speaks it is speaking to a larger problem that I'm alluding to. It by putting out this red meat to the base, Trump is propagating the culture war that's been on Fox News for what decade and a half now. And you're right, it's ignoring the core causes of what, of why the protests are happening, why the violence is happening. But the thing is, we're seeing how, you know, the culture war and us versus them, it's 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 just another take on globalist ideology has left rural America behind and now people are turning to Trump to get him out of it. The problem is that Trump isn't actually pitching anything. He's just he does not care for them. He isn't he's not actually pointing to solutions. Like Andrew Yang does with UBI. He's letting extremism fester so he can just stay in power. There's no reason we need to have the Proud Boys storm the Michigan Capitol. There's no reason why we need to have Antifa on the left being so outraged by the owning the libs ideology that one of them shoots a Trump supporter dead in Portland. There's no greater reason for the polarization. There's no greater reason for taking advantage of a problem other than Trump wants power and he uses people for that power to get that power. There's there's no other reason. There's no end game. There's no there's no larger grand Omosomorandi that's that's gonna really make America great again. Our final story is a mass surveillance program that has been linked by Edward Snowden has been found illegal. The Ninth Circuit Court has found the NSA's collecting of American telephone records illegal and unconstitutional. They claim this violated the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. And this kind of makes you once again ask the question that's been on everybody's minds for a very long time. Was Edward Snowden a hero or a traitor? And that's a question people have asked since he whistleblowed and seeked refuge in Russia. And I honestly have mixed feelings about it, right? If he did not bring it up, then who else would have? Did we really have to wait years for our judicial system to finally catch up and say no to the process that NSA was doing? I mean, what, what do you think, Jacob? I think this is a good thing. I'm a major proponent of digital privacy, so this is a major win. However, like you said, this brings up the now seven-year-old question, patriot or traitor? And listen, Snowden was right about why he leaked the documents, but he should have leaked it through the proper channels. 
post post Ellsberg, post Pentagon Papers, there's been channels that have been set up, and that's how the Trump-Ukraine scandal got brought to the public light. It's why the current president was impeached. But considering that we're in this timeline where Snowden decided that he was going to leak it to the Guardian, try to run to, I think, was it Ecuador or was it Cuba? And then got stuck in Russia. If he really does want to sell this matter, you should come back to the United States and be given a fair trial. You know, you should be sentenced for leaking classified information at a reasonable sentence if we claim that we are the free and fair justice system of the world. And then he can redeem himself, or at least try to, by actually advocating for digital privacy, advocating for what many of us believe are necessary reforms in ways that aren't going to turn off half the country because he's not going to leak classified information to the Guardian and not go through the proper channels. The thing about politics is that's all about perception. It is all about how the public views you. It's all about whether you do something through the legal ways. And Snowden didn't do through the legal ways, and so so a lot of the population is going to be turned off to a lot of these reforms because of what he did. It's only a matter of if he can be brought home because he's not being given away anytime soon. Oh, that's true. Okay, boys and girls, what did we learn from this week? Is it that the common sense solutions aren't going to be done because because people are idiots or because people are power hungry? The question is, where is the common sense? Yeah. Please vote, Joe. Vote by mail. Vote early. But don't vote twice. And that concludes this episode of Gen Zero Sock Politics. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And send us any and all questions regarding the news or politics, because your questions make the show. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you next time. Bye.